listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Dead podcast. Uh, the date today is Saturday, January the 14th. And oh my God, has it been raining and on the West Coast in Oregon and particularly down in California. Our buddies down there that are trying to fish are having a heck of a time. Um, but hopefully um, all of this is going to switch itself around. We've got some great seasons of fishing coming up uh, here in Oregon and in the Northwest. And um, we're excited to have the river level starting to drop. And uh, hopefully we'll start getting into uh, more and more fish for people. Um, today we have a returning guest and he is always welcome on the show. He is a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, he's got a, a tremendous background when it comes to guiding and fishing instruction and being part of the industry. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, uh, Dylan Gorman. Dor- uh, Dylan, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Ted. Hey, Thanks for having me again. You bet. Welcome, man. How's uh, What's new in your world right now? Well, uh, my world's been pretty interesting. Um, I got married in June. Oh, congratulations. Um, I can't remember if I if we had talked about that on your last podcast. I can't remember kind of when the timing was. Things got a little fast-paced, but I recently was married, um, finished up a very productive and very long guiding season in the fall, fishing for salmon uh-huh. um, on the central coast here in Oregon, and just kind of have settled into the slower time of the year, the winter doldrums and I'm definitely being hit with all the rain yeah, um, and weather that you mentioned in your intro. So it's definitely made fishing tough. <laughs> right, right. Well, we always get this kind of season, you know, of uh, uh, some deluges coming down and it blows out rivers. I mean, that's just sort of part of where we live. And, um, you know, it, it seems like I was looking at the weather forecast today uh, that starting the middle of, of this coming week, things are going to dry out a bit. That'll be a welcome on on my end for sure. <laughs> well, well, terrific, terrific. So, so Dylan, today today's interview will be a lot of fun. I mean, in here in the state of Oregon, you know, the 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 big season coming up, and we're kind of in the midst of it right now. Is the is the coastal steelhead season when the steelhead come into the coastal waters and that sort of thing? But there's also another season that uh, is um, going hot and heavy that a lot of people don't know about. And uh, that's going out and rock fishing in the Pacific Ocean. Am I, am I right? Yeah, you're 100%, 100% right. Um, Rockfish and, and lingcod as well. So, all, you know, kind of a variety of bottom fish you can catch out there. Sure. Now, I'm going to clarify that for our East Coast guests, because when you say rock fishing, let's say down on Chesapeake Bay, you're talking about going out and getting stripers and that sort of thing. And, and we don't really have stripers out on the rock piles here. You primarily fish for, what is it, lingcod and uh, uh, black cod and, and other types of fish um, here, in, here in, off the Oregon coast, correct? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question because everywhere you go, um, there's like specific regional terms for these fish uh-huh. um and the main ones that we're catching are black rockfish blue rockfish deacon rockfish and, and lingcod but even here in oregon and between oregon washington and california um, people have a lot of different terms for them in fact most of the people that i know 
here on the Central Oregon coast. Um, they refer to them as um, bass or rock bass or um, black rocks. So right. I, I actually kind of my my terminology is a little bit different from a lot of people, but right. that's just the way my my dad talked about them. But <laughs> yeah, so we're just catching different species of rockfish. Um, they're more or less in the the one to five pound range, right? And they have a, a nice white, firm flesh. And then the other main fish, um, lingcod, and they're a big, ugly looking fish. They have a huge head and a huge mouth, <laughs> um, but they're one of the tastier ones uh, that we can catch off the coast and a, and a really good bite. Too. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, just going down that rabbit trail about different words, meeting different things like rockfish and that sort of thing. We do have a listenership from the Philippines. And when we're talking, oh, nice. and when we're talking about lingcod, uh, lingcod in Bazayan means to sit down and it's spelled the same way as we spell lingcod out here. And so we're talking about lingcod, the fish. We're not talking about for our Filipino guests that they were sitting down <laughs> and so, and anyway. So tell us more about lingcod, um, uh, Dylan, I mean, you, how big do they get? Um, they have a really funny colored meat sometimes, don't they? Yeah, they it's it's interesting. Every lingcod you catch is going to look a little bit different in just the color um, and the patterning, which is just a camouflage, right? When they're they're down in the rocks, right? And so I love targeting these fish. I've caught them from you know California all the way down on the California Mexico border um, here in Oregon, and then all the way up into Alaska. Uh-huh. And the size varies a lot. Like we've caught lingcod. Uh, when I worked on boats in Alaska that were, no joke, 50, 60-plus pounds, oh, big, big big ones, right? Yeah. And seems most of the ones we catch here on the Oregon coast, they'll range between you know, 5 pounds and 15 pounds. And you'll get some that are a little bigger, and, and you do catch smaller ones. Um, but the, the minimum size is 22 inches to keep. So usually ah. that's a, a couple pounds to begin with. Right. Um, they're a cool fish because they are – very aggressive i mean they will eat anything they can get their mouth on and they have a huge mouth mm-hmm. um, i've actually seen them like grab people's boots or shoes when they get in the boat like they'll put their mouth and bite down on somebody's foot ooh, um ooh, i know i've caught lingcod that they they actually on the last one of the last trips i did we caught the biggest lingcod of the day. It had grabbed onto a four-pound rockfish and swallowed it whole, right? Oh so God. it wasn't even hooked. It just ate this other smaller fish that we had hooked, um, <laughs> and they call that a, a hitchhiker. Right. And we reeled that fish up. It was never actually hooked. It was just so aggressive. It held onto that fish until it got to the surface, oh, um, and, and we brought it in. Yeah. So, you know, that's just a, a really cool component to the fish their their aggressiveness and we prey on that you know as anglers uh-huh. use certain techniques to get them to strike and and eat stuff um just because they're really aggressive yeah yeah they sort of resemble like in in at least on the head like an eel don't they they do um i actually i can't remember the exact scientific name um but i think the genus is elongatus which just is like some sort of Latin root for, for long. Right. You know, they're very long, slender, almost eel-like mm-hmm. in their appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but not not related to eels in any way. Yeah, and and the flesh is delicious, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's the the classic white meat, firm flesh. Uh-huh. Um, in my my personal preference, and everybody's different. Um, lingcod's my favorite fish to eat that we catch here mm-hmm. um, off the coast. So you know, better in I think it's better than halibut. Yeah. Um, in rockfish, it has this nice, sweet, kind of flaky texture to it. Uh huh. So, but yeah, you can talk to another guide, and they'll tell you that halibut's the best, so. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or black rockfish. Right, right. It's but a I do think thing, I right? am I am pretty per uh, I am pretty partial to lingcod, and and everybody at my house is too. So yeah. Usually, when I catch a couple, they don't hang around for too long. <laughs> and and how many? <laughs> I'm I'm just curious. What what's the limit on lingcod when you're fishing? For yeah, them? you're. You're allowed two per day. Okay. Um, they have to be over 22 inches. Uh-huh. Um, typically in my boat, we will keep wing cod, and it just depends on how maybe how good the fishing is that day. But I usually like to keep fish that are a little bit over that minimum size, like 24, 26 inches. Uh-huh. Um, and then we don't keep a lot that are over 32, 34 inches, just because the bigger the fish get, um, the more the the higher chance that fish is a female and oh. it's a spawner uh-huh. and so you know you don't want you know there's no rules or regulations that you have to release them right. um, but that's just kind of something we like to do release the females it's better for the population yeah. and the bigger ones typically aren't as, aren't as good eating so the size of the fish that were you know you get two fish per day and where you typically get fish in that five to 12 pound range that we're keeping Got it. Now, now, do you typically yeah. fish with bait, or do you fish with uh, jigs, or maybe a combination? Yeah. So there's two main ways you can catch lingcod. You can fish with an artificial lure, and you can fish with bait, um, preferably live bait. That is the best. Mm-hmm. And usually, the the two schools don't mix. So, like, there's guys that I know, and they fish lures for lingcod and they never fish bait me i like to fish bait that's how Mm -hmm. we grew up catching lingcod um that's how my grandfather caught lingcod that's how my dad still catches lingcod that's what i like to do so um, my main preference is fishing bait either a dead bait um or a live bait Uh and around here in the central oregon coast um there's no better bait well there are some pretty good baits but the best and most reliable bait to get is a herring. Um, fresh, either freshly caught or freshly frozen mm-hmm. um, spawner herring. They're quite large in size. And so when you're using that large bait, you're going to attract larger fish. Um, there are some other baits you can use. Um, we're actually legally allowed to use like smaller rockfish for bait. Oh, really? um, or if you caught like another if you just caught any sort of smaller fish uh-huh. um, out in the ocean, say like a sand dab or a sculpin or small rockfish, you could use any of those for bait too. Oh, um, and sometimes uh-huh. those work really well. But, you know, just from a reliability standpoint of like, hey, we need bait every time we go out. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're not going to catch a bait-sized rockfish every time. Um, herring is, is definitely the best. So. And, and you can catch those, what, in the bay or do you are they in the ocean? Where do you catch your herring at? Yeah, so we actually have herring that come into the bays here in Oregon uh-huh. um, that spawn. And it's a really common thing. Um, it's more or less like a big party in the in the late winter and springtime. 
you know, Bay, all the boats are out catching their herring, their bait, mm-hmm. right, for the, the rest of the season. And so one of the things that I like to do is I'll go out and I'll do trips where I catch, you know, a couple hundred herring um, and bag them up and, and store them in my chest freezer for bait. Right. But I also like to, on my guided trips, um, if all the stars align, go and catch that fresh bait that morning um, and use it to fish that day. So we have fresh live herring or fresh dead. You know, sometimes they die in transit right, right. Um, out to the fishing grounds. But still, they're really good. They're, they're better than a frozen bait. Uh-huh. Um, and then I've found that my guests that come fish with me really like to see that whole, you know, cycle, right? They're like, okay, we're catching the bait. And you get, when you catch the bait that day, that is the freshest, best bait that you're going to get. Um, and typically that does lead to catching a better quality fish, but either bigger fish or whatnot. Right, so, right. And, yeah. and and you catch the black uh, uh, rockfish right along with uh, when you're fishing for um, a lingcod. Is that right? Yeah, you can catch them in the same areas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, if we have a couple people on my boat, maybe two or three guys are fishing a bait for lingcod and one guy's fishing a, a, what we call a shrimp fly setup. And it's just a, a dropper loop. You have a weight on the bottom and then uh-huh. you have two hooks with some little feathers tied on. It's nothing, nothing fancy. And you can add a piece of bait to that. Right. And honestly, the shrimp flies and I've done a lot of bottom fishing, fishing for rockfish, lingcod. There's tons of fancy gear you can buy. And I've used it all, right? I've used the flutter jigs and swim baits and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they all work. But the, the stupid shrimp flies with their one feather tied on, they'll outfish a lot of that more sophisticated gear um, oh, really? a lot of days. Yeah. So no um, I carry some of the other stuff. Like I'll fish little jigs for rockfish and whatnot. But the shrimp flies work really well. Uh-huh. And uh, I know something I was mentioning or something I mentioned to you um, was that we can sometimes when you catch a rockfish fishing for lingcod, a lingcod will eat that rockfish. You can reel, and then you can reel up a, a lingcod and a rockfish at the same time, which is kind <laughs> really? of interesting. A bonus. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's like a two for one. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No, that, well, that's cool. And the, and what's the limit on rockfish then? Yeah, they they vary it kind of month to month. Yeah. Um, usually the season starts out, you can keep six rockfish. Okay. Um, I think right now we're down to four. Mm-hmm. So as people, there's a specific quota they have set aside for the year. And so as more and more people are going out and fishing in the spring and in the summer, that quota gets less and less. So they reduce the bag limit so we can keep fishing. Right. Um, but the limit for lingcod is, I think that's kind of a set thing at, at two fish. At so two, yeah. You're going to get between either six and, and four rockfish uh-huh. um, and and potentially two lingcod. Wow. Well, that well that, yeah. that would fill a small cooler pretty quick, wouldn't it? Yeah, it can turn out to be a lot of, uh, a lot of meat harvested yeah. for sure so yeah no and i've spent many many a day at the play station just knocking out uh, a 
couple limits of rockfish for people and then all of their limits of lingcod, and that's a lot of fish to play. <laughs> that's a long day, man. So now you mentioned that you go out of Yaquina Bay, which is in Newport, and that's in Oregon, but you also go out of another smaller port up north. Is that right? Yeah, it's called uh, Depot Bay, and I believe it's the world's smallest, like their claim to fame, Depot Bay, is that it's the world's smallest natural harbor. That's, I understand um, the same thing, yeah. Yeah, and it is, I mean, just going in and out of the entrance is a treat, um, let alone that it offers you access to some of the best fishing um, along the Oregon coast. Right. Um, definitely, it's, it can be a little daunting. And so that's one of the cool things about Depot Bay is that there's less people that go there just because of that that entrance in and out. Yeah. Um, but honestly, that Depot Bay is one of the safest places um, to, to enter the ocean because there's no active bar, right? So if you went out, um, and I fish out of the Aquina, um a lot when you're going out, you always have to take into account the tides, right? right? And there are certain times you can cross certain times you can't, um, because it can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going out of Depot Bay, mostly the tides are a non-factor. And so it kind of allows you to go out, you know, maybe really early in the morning, right at the sunrise or maybe a little later in the day. Um, you know, you're not in, you're not locked in with the tides, right? So. And how close to shore are you fishing generally, Dylan? Yeah, I would consider all my fishing near shore. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, max three to, you know, three to five miles offshore. So okay. all pretty close. Okay. And the, the average depth of water, I would say, is probably about 100 foot. You know, sometimes they fish a little deeper, sometimes a little shallower. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have fished deeper, and there are ways you can um target rockfish and lingcod in deeper water but we're talking about reeling up a fish that a rockfish is two to five pounds and a lingcod is five to 12 pounds they're nice fish mm-hmm. but these aren't you know it's not like we're reeling in a 50 pound fish here right so right. if you're just cranking up a five pound fish for a couple hundred feet it's not very sporting or very fun uh-huh. um, so i like to fish those shallower areas and use lighter tackle um, just to make it a lot more fun and, and enjoyable for, yeah. for my guests. And that's, that's personally what I like to do. Uh-huh. I mean, that's kind of how my dad got me hooked on fishing was taking me out. I get to catch all these rock fish on a light little trout rod and, and it's pretty fun. And then you get a great fish you can eat at the end of the day. Oh, that's awesome, man. And and yeah. so for those that have not been out on the Pacific ocean, uh, um, you know, the Pacific can be pretty rough, but there's a lot of days, you know, it's just like a lake out there, isn't it? If you know how to read the forecast, um, and you can pick and choose your days, I mean, I got a lot of pictures of me fishing off Depot Bay in shorts and flip-flops. It's pretty darn nice. Wow, really? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it is the Pacific Ocean. Um, there's days where it's it's going to be rough. Mm-hmm. But just opt not to fish on those. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've fished on the ocean my whole life, and... I'm pretty in tune with what I find to be comfortable and what I find my guests to be comfortable with. Uh Um, And obviously like what's safe, right? So on those days where it's not going to be good to go or maybe even questionable, I just, you know, don't subject people to that. Right. And, and we reschedule or go another time. 
Um, no, because, you were, yeah, yeah. It, it can get nasty. Now, you were saying that there are some of those days, though, that you'll fish uh, uh, sort of inside the, the, the harbor, do you not? Yeah. Um, so, and just to clarify, at Depot Bay, there's not much fishing inside right. the, the actual port because it's so small. But it, when you fish out of uh, Newport, Oregon, the Aquina the Bay, um, there's actually a lot of rock piles um, and jetty structure as you go out. Um, I think it's about a mile or maybe even maybe almost two miles actually yeah. from along the jetty. So from the bridge out to open water. It's protected and offers some pretty good fishing, primarily in the, the winter and springtime. Um, so there are a lot of days where it's like, hey, it's not going to be conducive or, or you know, maybe it's even safe to go out, but it's going to be really bumpy and choppy. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give people the option um, to fish inside. And over the last couple of years, I've really set up a program um, where we can pretty consistently with the right situations catch just as nice of fish mm-hmm. as we would catch out in the open water. Um, usually we have to fish a little harder, you know, work a little bit more at it, but right. Oh, really nice rock fish. And actually I've had almost more success catching lingcod, um, than catching rock fish, uh, along the jetty, which is kind of a, I mean, I'd take two link two eight to 10 pound lingcod over a five, three, four or five pound rock fish any day. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So what, what's a typical day? I mean, do you go out at the same time every morning or you, do you follow the tides? What's, what can people expect when they book you? Yeah. So the, the one thing I always ask of my guests when we're going to go out and fish for, for bottom fish is just to be flexible. Um, because a, you never know what the weather's going to be like. And sometimes it changes that morning. Right. And then usually I try and time my trips with the tides and then also with the weather. And what that means is like, you know, sometimes to get out, we need to go out on a certain tide. And then also typically the fishing's better on an incoming tide. So we're just going to have better fishing also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that might mean meeting early um, to get out with the tide and, and fish that incoming stretch. Right. Sometimes that means meeting a little later. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm not one of those guys that's like, yeah, we're meeting at 7am every single day and it doesn't matter what the, if it's a good tide or a bad tide, um, that's the time we're meeting and that's when we're going to be fishing. Right. <laughs> um, so I'll try and, you know, structure our day to where it's going to give us the best fishing with the tides and give us the safest entrance and exit out of the harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, a lot of times like weather is a factor too. So, you know, this comes up a lot, not so much in the, in the winter and the spring, uh-huh. but it can, it's more common in the summer where you get wind in the afternoon. And so a lot of times, you know, the wind, the afternoon wind dictates an early start just cause you know, we want to fish before it gets choppier and rougher. Um, right. Fishing just always better and in, in less wind. So there's a couple factors there. Like I said, I just ask people to be flexible, and usually in the end, it's going to lead to better fishing. Yeah. Now, now, do you anchor up or do you drift? How uh, how do you all, usually fish? All drifting. Um, we'll drift, and you know I have tons of little spots and reefs, and usually every trip too, I'll kind of pick one or two that I want to 
check out and explore just to add to the repertoire. Uh-huh. And the typical process is you go over the reef and you'll mark the fish. Um, the school's a rockfish, and then you'll kind of get up current of where you think you're going to drift into them mm-hmm. um, and then try and as best you can drift over the top of that reef while you're presenting your bait. Um, that can be kind of frustrating though, because if you have wind and weather and waves, the drift changes. And, um, a lot of times it's less of, you know, the fish a lot of times will bite, but sometimes it's just trying to get the right drift right. to go over them. Right. Um, I, I haven't done much anchoring. I actually know a lot of guys are using a, the newer spot lock electric mm-hmm. trolling motors. Right. Um, for this kind of fishing, but I'm just, I'm old school. We've always drifted. Um, sometimes I'll actually use something called a drift sock, yeah, um, yeah. which slows down your drift. You can throw it out and it'll kind of slow down the drift. Mm-hmm. That can be really effective um, as well. And I've, I've also done, um, I've also trolled for link cod. I personally, while it's very effective, it's probably more effective than drifting, yeah. but personally I don't find it as, exciting because you have to use a heavier rod a really heavy weight um and it's just the fight's not quite the same so i just prefer to drift Uh um it's better fight it's more sporting right right now what kind of boat do you have uh, now dylan yeah so i have a it's it's a northwest style boat it's a luma weld sled it's an open boat nice boat um Yeah. yeah and so it's definitely a little a little bit on the smaller side, mm-hmm. um, but I really like it because it's fast, right? I can zip out. I can zip back. Um, most of the time we're fishing near shore, so we're not too far out, you know, a couple miles between one and, and maybe five miles max. And so, you know, that is a, the way I like to do it. I like to be in a smaller, faster boat where we can move around quick versus like a, a bigger kind of slower boat. Yeah. But, yeah, wow. yeah, and I can fish for four people and me, um, so there's plenty of space, and uh, it's always fun too to look around the boat and see. I've seen this a lot in the spring. Look around, and everybody's hooked up with <laughs> rockfish and lingcod, and you're like, we don't know what's coming up. Right. And right. then you know, fish are coming in, and they're hitting the deck, and my job's more or less to to run around, and I'm trying to count the fish <laughs> to make sure we don't go over the limit. Right. 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 And then you're trying to bleed the fish and. It's just absolute chaos, but that's, that's the most fun. Oh, that sounds you know? like <laughs> yeah. And then I, I always love too when I'm playing them out and, and I can see my guests and a lot of them, you know, I know they fish with me often and they're playing in their fish fry later that night. And they're calling people back home. Like, here, you get, you got the oil, you got the pride on the West fish batter. And <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, so how long, so, how long are you usually on the water on a rock fishing trip? Yeah. Um, you know, not, I don't, I can't fish typically as long on the rock fishing trips. Yeah. Um, and say like a salmon or steelhead trip. If we, if we fish out of Yaquina, mm-hmm. cause like I said, we're, we're really tied to the tides. Yeah. Of a, uh, tongue twister there, but you know, between five and seven hours. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we're going to spend a little bit of time, sometimes one or two hours playing all the fish out when we get back. Right. So it, it's a pretty full day when you add it all up, even though, you know, maybe it's not as much sheer fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's going to be a lot of processing on the back end. 
Right. Um, when I fish out of Depot Bay, I'll, I'll fish longer days if we have to. Usually the fishing's pretty good and we don't have to really grind it out. Right. Um, because the Depot Bay, you're not tied. You're not uh, dependent on the tides to come back in. You can come and go um, through the entrance there whenever you want. Um, uh, okay. So that's kind of one of the nice things about fishing out of Depot Bay. Right. Right. That's a fascinating, absolutely fascinating place. I, you know, I, I hate to say it being an Oregonian, I have never fished out of Depot Bay, but I've gone down there and, and, and watched them, you know, come and go out of that, that little chute down there. And, uh, that one takes some talent, but you're right. You're, you're not in the midst of trying to get over a bar and, and some of the other, you know, dangerous things that can go on when you're fishing, you know, with a jetty and, and some of the other things, it's just bang, you're in the harbor and, and, uh, you're there. Yeah. You're, you're in and out of the ocean very quick. And yeah. once you're inside, they call it the hole, you know, the, the natural, um, area that's carved into the rock uh-huh. of the shoreline. It's absolutely, it's very impressive to see, but once you're inside that, you're completely safe. Yeah. Um, and it's so much safer. You know, a lot of times I've fished out of Newport, and, um, and it's like any other large, busy port, especially on a weekend, there can be hundreds of boats in mm-hmm. and out. You know, I've seen the, the trailer, um, the parking lot with trailers with 300 trailers there. Oh, um, God. and there's almost more danger in that, right. With people driving <laughs> their boats at different speeds. And I've had people almost crash into me in the back of there. Right. Who knows what they were looking at. So, yeah. yeah so, true. um, yeah. So how long will you be fishing for rockfish? Uh, in the coming months yeah so our bottom fish season rockfish link on it's open year round um but i find the best fishing to be in the the winter months Mm -hmm. um that's typically when we get just the bigger fish that move in near shore so we can kind of catch them and there's a lot less people going out and and pressuring the fish so the the fish are unpressured or less pressured so they bite better Mm -hmm. um so while I'll fish for rockfish year round, I definitely have a set list of guests right. that I've told them like, this is the time if you want to do bottom fish that we need to go. Mm-hmm. And so I'll fish anytime I get a weather window, more or less from, you know, December through April and then into sometimes early May, usually around May, there's some salmon fishing that I start doing where I'll focus in more on that. Right. Um, fishing in the rivers. And so I'll kind of leave the bottom fishing alone, but February, you know, January, February, March, April, that's phenomenal time, um, for, for bottom fishing for Lincoln and rockfish. Oh, that's great. Now, now that, that leads us into another conversation. I mean, as a, you are a full-time fishing guide, but you've got, um, another kind of gig on the side, it sounds like it's a heck of a lot of fun in that you are um, the fly fishing instructor for the fly fishing class at Oregon State University. And you just told me that you're also teaching a steelhead fishing class at the university. You know, and, yeah. and I'm going to show my age here, you know, but we never had that when I was in college. <laughs> you know, it uh, makes me want to think about going back and getting another degree. <laughs> Well, you're more than welcome to sit in on any lecture that you want, Ted. <laughs> very good. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm very fortunate and very lucky. I got set up teaching this, uh, these classes over at Oregon State. Um, 
And honestly, it's really a testament to the students that they're interested in taking it because, you know, I wouldn't have the job if people weren't signing up for the classes. So kids are interested in it. Kids yeah. want to get outdoors and, and fish for trout and fish for steelhead and experience, especially here in Oregon, the great opportunity we have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, as much as I like to fish uh, out in the ocean with a, a you know, conventional tackle for rock fishing, Lincoln, I do a lot of trout fishing and fly fishing. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone and fly fished for rock fish in Lincoln. Um, I've done it from my own boat, but actually there's kind of some specific guides that do it. I, I don't do a lot of specific fly stuff in the ocean, but there are some guys that do it um, out of Pacific city. And I have done that and it's like, it, it's a load of fun really? um, no fly kidding. fishing wise. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've caught some really nice uh, rock fish on top water and actually I caught a really nice wing on my fly rod. So that was pretty cool. On top water. Uh, the link cod was subsurface, but the okay. rockfish, yeah, were on top water. Really? No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I'll, I'll be darned. I was in Alaska. It's been years ago now. And we were up in um, um, an area called Admiralty Island, which is outside of Juneau. And we were there for a week or two, as I remember. And the uh, one of the guides was trying to talk us into going fly fishing for halibut because he had a place on, I think it was Donkey Bay is what they called it, and it was in about a six feet of water, and you could uh, fly fish for halibut, and uh, you did relatively well. We never did it. We always wanted to go do something else, but uh, I thought that was interesting. That's pretty impressive um, that they caught them on, on fly gear, and, and I would also be curious to what methods they were using, because I have actually caught a fly, uh, halibut on a fly rod in Alaska, really? uh, but we just put a big, we put a weight on a fly rod. So I don't <laughs> okay. know, if, you know, right. If you look up the actual definition of fly fishing, that would qualify. Right. But. Right. right. <laughs> well, I saw, I, yeah, I actually saw, um, some video of it and they were stripping these streamer flies in and there was no yeah, extra weight sweet. and, but it was only, you know, five or six feet deep and you had to yeah. do it when the tide was out, you know, there was just all these, these things you had to have all of your ducks in a row to make this thing work. And, uh, I always said, well, one of these days I'm going to go do that, but never got back up to do that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Well, if people look up you on a map, you are in the, the, the small town of Philomath, which is, it used to be a logging town, and, and I still believe they have mills and other things there, but it's just right outside of Corvallis, and Corvallis is where Oregon State University is, but... If you dig into that map just a little bit more, you're going to find that you are right on two of the most famous um, steelhead rivers in Oregon, the Alsea and the Siletz. And you're just, what, maybe 30, 40 minutes away from fishing either one of them where you're at? Yeah, I mean, I kind of specifically live in this zone because I can drive right out of my house, uh, you know, up onto the highway. And I can turn right, and I'm 20 minutes to the LC, mm-hmm. or I could turn left, and I'm 40, 35 to 40 minutes to the Celeste, and I could drive it 10 more minutes, and I'm right there at the ocean. Right. So I have a lot of options um, fishing-wise, and, and there's even more past that. But, you know, the LC and the Celeste are, are pretty well known for um, their winter steelhead runs and, right. and just as being prolific, you know, steelhead and salmon fisheries. So right. they're and pretty they, sweet. And, yeah, so and, sweet 
And then you've got the tributaries off the Willamette, I would imagine you fish. What, the Sandy M, uh, the, the North Willamette, the Coastal Willamette, and then the McKenzie River, which is a famous trout fishing river, all within an hour of you, don't you? Yep. It's like uh, Palomas and Corvallis, they're kind of known, at least in, in the fishing community. It's like there's not great fishing right there, but if you drew a circle, you know, within an hour's drive, you have more or less everything at your fingertips between the ocean, um, yep. world-class trout fishing, salmon fishing in the river for spring run, fall run, and then, you know, winter run and summer run steelhead. So right. there's a lot of fantastic fishing that we have here. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that, that I love um, about, you know, and if there's anybody listening that, you know, they have their own boat and they're a recreational angler, the thing that I love about the rock cod and link cod fishing or the bottom fishing is that it just adds another thing that you get to do throughout the year. And so maybe the salmon fishing isn't that great and you're planning on fishing this weekend. Well, hey, if the ocean's in shape, you can pop out there and you can have a lot of fun. You can mm-hmm. catch a lot of fish and they're fantastic eating. Right. Um, you know, don't let <laughs> – sometimes I'm hesitant to say this, but I much prefer – eating rockfish and link cod over salmon. And I'm sure there's some people that would shun, shun me to say that, but there are are a couple camps. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. I have eaten a lot of each. I've eaten a lot of salmon and a lot of link cod. At this point, I kind of prefer the link cod. Uh Um, So, you know, it's a great extra thing to add in along with, you know, trout fishing and steelhead and salmon and all this stuff. Right. Right. Now you do have steelhead fishing going on. What the next uh, two months, maybe three months. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing steelhead trips um, January, February, and March. And a lot of times um, what I like to do is if ocean fishing is an option, I'll throw it out there for people, um, you know, and give them the option of, hey, do you want to go target steelhead? Do you want to go target lingcod? Right. Um, And that's one thing that I do that uh, because of the way I structure my business, I I can – I have a little more flexibility, right? Every person's trip is kind of tailored to their, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I don't book big groups or big parties, I can, you know, maybe fish the ocean one day and then fish the river the next day. Right. Um, so that's one thing that I like to do. Um, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be steelhead fishing January, February, and March. Um, and then also fishing out in the ocean. Right. That same, that same time frame. And, and the steelhead is primarily out of a drift boat, is it not? Yeah, a different boat. Um, just mm-hmm. uh, I have a standard uh, craft drift boat. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and we'll fish the Alsea and, and the Celeste. Those are my two, right. two rivers. Yeah. Right. Well, very good. Have, have you been on the Celeste's uh, this year? I haven't gone over to the Celeste's this year. My typical pattern is I'll fish the Alsea um, December, January, February, and then in and around middle to end of February, um, I'll switch over to the Celeste. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what my typical progression is throughout the season. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I'll start fishing the slots a little earlier, just depends on the, the water. And I also have groups that I book that are like, you know, they specifically want to go fish the selects with me. Right. Um, they're like, Hey, you know, and maybe they've already done a trip or a couple trips with me on the LC and they're like, yeah, we're ready to see some fresh water. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go back and forth between the two, but, but right. the LC is kind of the main one. Yeah. 
Well, they're both just world-class rivers, man. Holy smoke. You, uh, you yeah. live in God's country, as, and I'm not that far from you. I mean, it's, it's just really convenient to go to either one of those rivers and fish. And, uh, um, and, and then also for people that are listening outside of our area, we have an a, a, a airport down in Eugene, which is only about a half hour away, that um, you know, uh, has all the major airlines coming into it. It's all domestic. But uh, you can get from almost anywhere in the United States to uh, mail and sweet in uh, record time. Yeah. And, you know, with them kind of expanding that airport, I think it's been really, really nice. I, or not expanding it, but just expanding the number of flights that come in. Right. Um, it's just really allowed a lot more people to travel to the area. Flying Eugene so much easier. I've mm-hmm. actually picked up groups. Some guests that I've fished with that I know really well and picked them up at the airport and driven over to the Mackenzie and fished that day, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's a very nice option. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I've actually fished a lot of groups that we got off the river and fished a full day and then, you know, they were able to still make it to the airport and get on their flight that evening. Right. So, usually fishing the LC, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very accessible to, uh, you know, people that just have a, a short period of time and they, they can experience some world-class fishing right here in, uh, uh, the Willamette Valley of Oregon. Yeah. And there's always options, a lot of options and a lot of different uh, fisheries. So that's kind of the one thing that, uh, I hope people that I stress enough. Right. Yeah. And well, I'm, I'm just curious, how does your calendar look over the next few months? Uh, are, is it filling up quick, um, you know, with, with, all, uh, with all that's going on? Do you have some room in there if somebody wants to book a trip? Yeah, so I have some room coming up kind of at the end of February and into March, which honestly March is a great time because uh-huh. um, it gives you a lot of options like what we've talked about, you know, whether it's steelhead or going out in the, in the ocean. A lot less storm systems that come through in that March and early April time frame. Right. Like we've been getting now, right? So we have a lot less of that. So we get better conditions. So I, have, I do have openings coming up in, uh, like I said, late February and March. If people are interested, they're more than welcome to reach out to me um, through my website or call me directly um, uh, on my cell phone and I can chat through and, and try and figure out, you know, if there's the right, figure out the right trip for what they want to do. You bet. And then, uh, yeah, and then going into the, the spring and summer summer months, um, yeah, you know, a fair amount of opening. So I usually don't start booking my summer trips until after the steelhead season's done. Right. Right. So I'm going to put the uh, contact information for you in the show notes and they'll be online. So uh, whatever uh, platform you're, you're using to listen to the podcast, you can go to the show notes and you can find Dylan's email address and website and his telephone number. But just in case, uh, Dylan, can you give us your telephone number? Yeah, my phone number is 650-804-5411. Mm-hmm. And that's my, my personal cell line. And I would encourage anybody. I mean, even if you just have some questions about fishing, um, you know, if they're specific to fishing for rockfish or link cod, um, or if there's something else, you know, feel free, reach out to me, give me a phone call. I'm always happy to talk fishing. And um, yeah, I just hope to hear from, from somebody out there. And, uh, and I hope that all of the stuff that I shared was somewhat useful um, and that, you know, somebody out there is going to go and catch some rockfish and some lingcod 
um, when they didn't even know that it was a viable fishery. That's so, right. Because it, it's a great fishery, and there's a lot of these fish out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just great, a great fishery to take advantage of. Absolutely. Well, Dylan, man, hey, we sure appreciate your time and uh, sending us aside to uh, letting, letting us talk with you again. It's always a pleasure. Um, it's really great to see how you are growing your, uh, your guide business here in Oregon. I mean, it, it looks like it's really flourishing, and, and uh, you've really found a home with the university and all the things that you do. And so we just want to thank you, uh, you know, for being diligent uh, with, uh, you know, the industry that you're in and playing such a big part in it and giving back, and we really appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Ted. And thanks again for having me on and hosting this podcast um, and and providing all this great insight and information um, on fishing to people out there. Um, So, you know, I definitely appreciate it. I know a lot of listeners out there appreciate it as well. Well, thank you so much. Dylan, tight lines to you, my friend. Looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, on the river sometime real soon. All right. See you on the water, Ted. Okay.